Good morning, Wayne Lazar. Wayne Lazar is the CEO of Cyberwave, and I'm James Erasmus. I'm very much looking forward to this conversation because Wayne and I have had numerous interesting conversations with. The first was around zero trust, and more recently, we had an interesting conversation around Fly Sapphire, one of their integral clients. And I'm here today to chat to Wayne about the telecoms industry in South Africa. Now, we know it's made up of a number of large providers, and those service providers are typically you know, the large telcos like Telcom, MTN, Vodacom, and Liquid. And you know, it's a space that has a lot of room for tier one ISPs. And CypherWave, like Bitco, Vox, and others, is a fascinating organization we really want to dive into a bit and understand what makes it tick. So, Wayne, thank you so much for joining us today. I know our listeners are fascinated to understand what has made CypherWave tick since you launched 13 years ago, and we'd really like to see under the hood. So thank you for joining us. James, hi. It's a really interesting analogy about seeing under our hood, but great to be on another podcast chatting to you. And really, yeah, just happy to answer any questions you may have about the business. We believe that, you know, by sharing and exposing what we're doing and sharing information out there, it makes things better, better understanding, better for other players out there who may be wanting to know how they can do things differently. Brilliant. And when CypherWave Networks is the holding company, what is it made up of? A good question. So as we started many years ago with the business, we decided to create a group structure back then because the question was, what happens if we have to venture out? And most importantly, from a strategy perspective, how are we able to keep it together? So our parent company is CypherWave Networks. It holds our operating license from ICASA. And of course, CypherWave, or should I say there's a number of subsidiaries under CypherWave who operate under that operating license. Networks also, aside from the license, have our master interconnect agreement. So from a voice perspective, which is what we provide, we've got interconnects with all the telcos. And those agreements sit up there. And usually what we do is most of our master agreements, specifically if there need to be, would sit in our group structure. Okay. Now, your typical clients, or is there such a thing as a typical client, would come to you with what problems? Yeah, that's an amazing question. So if you look at our business, we service a number of segments. We have an aggregator business, which is called Aggregation Networks. And what we did there was we saw an opportunity for our own consolidation of our network assets. And so we moved all of that, which is all of our agreements with the fiber network operators and the wireless network operators. And we moved that into aggregation networks and we use aggregation networks or AGN, as we call them, as a vehicle to manage our core network assets. AGN then provides CypherWave business, which is our B2B ISP with network infrastructure and the core network management there. You know, AGN's sole purpose is really just to go out and negotiate wholesale capacity. So we've purchased wholesale capacity off network operators like the Link Africas, the Metro Fibers, Frogfoots, and so forth. And so those agreements sit in aggregation networks. We have a core team that sits in there and a carrier team that manage our delivery and our agreements with the operators. And so AGN purely focuses on servicing the wholesale requirement that we have inside of our group. We have a fiber to the home business called Home Connect, 
It's been going for a number of years and has it seen tremendous growth inside of the fiber to the home market. We're sitting at approximately 50,000 customers inside of that business and about 90 or so odd support staff supporting customers. It deals only with a consumer part of our business and of course has the ability to make use of our aggregated core networking model. So all of its network connectivity comes out of AGN. We have CypherWave Business. That's the entity I sit at most days. It's our B2B operations. And there we're focusing on our connectivity, cloud voice, and security stack. And then last but not least, as you may have read, we acquired Broadlink in uh, 2020, which was largely wireless business. I had quite a large fiber customer base and some voice services. And so what we've done is we've actually integrated most of Broadlink because of the synergies into CypherWave and moved the majority of those resellers and customers over to CypherWave. And now we're servicing them out of that business unit. Well, you've definitely exposed what it means to be and what it means to operate as a tier one ISP. Thank you. I'm sure there's a lot more that you're going to no doubt be adding to this portfolio of yours, which sounds very compelling to anybody who needs these services and everybody needs these services. Could I just unpack a little bit about the sort of competitive landscape that you're in and understand the opportunities that you see and what you see coming into the near and distant future? Yeah, so the telecoms landscape, James, as you know, is a buzz at the moment. Mm. Talk of acquisition is all over the news. You know, if you look at Vodacom, CIVH, in terms of what they're looking to do to consolidate their assets, most recently is Telcom MTN, Telcom Rain. And that's at the larger telco space that we're seeing consolidation, but it also is a bit of a telltale sign of what's happening inside of the market. You know, the fiber landscape from a connectivity perspective has been exceptionally busy over the last five to eight years with operators building out largely. So there's been a significant amount of investment in the fiber space, both in the fiber to the home, as well as on the business to business fiber. You know, if you look at it, OpenServe's been building out a lot of its fiber competency. DFA for the last 10 years has really been building out that network. And that's on the B2B space. And then we have niche network providers. And I say niche is really when you're looking at precincts. You know, like Waterfall Precinct up in Johannesburg has got yeah. quite a mature fiber network. And the guys at WAN have done a phenomenal job there. Out in Cape Town, where you're based, you know, Century City has got its own precinct network with Century City Connect. So, you know, one of the things that we've really been focusing on is making sure we have a point of presence across all of these networks. And the reason for that was because we realized that our customers may be in one location today, but who's to say business strategy changes and they may move to another location tomorrow. And we wanted to be able to service them at any location that they're in. So what we wanted to do was piggyback off all of the build and investment that's been happening in the network operator space, both on fiber and on the wireless to be able to service customers. You mentioned tier one, you know, the whole essence of being able to label yourself a tier one is having the ability to self-provision and to be as close to the operator as possible, to have a presence inside of the operator's domain or on the operator's network. And for us, that was a non-negotiable. We needed to be there 
And that's why our network extends largely across every fiber network operator on the B2B space and also on the FTTH space. You know, I think some 28 fiber network operators across the country. The essence is we want to be able to service the customer irrespective of where they are. In order to do that, you need reach. So we've seen it coming and we wanted to invest on the back of that to make sure that we're there. Similarly, I think where that plays a lot of value is downstream when you look at it over the last two years, there's been a lot of pressure in the market. Businesses moving away from offices to home and still having the need to service the home worker as such. Mm-hmm. Let's not even talk about the consumer. So we just mm-hmm. wanted to remain relevant to be able to go back to our customers and do that. And Home Connect as a vehicle worked phenomenally well for us. And I think if you don't sit in that space, it makes it very difficult to service a customer. So what we're seeing is at a bigger telco level, the addressable customer market space is diminishing. Hence, you're starting to see network operators consolidating. Why would Vodacom want to go and build where DFA is? It's an exorbitant cost, upfront capital cost to do that. Whereas if the infrastructure is already there, why not partner? Why not create synergies? And largely, that's what we're starting to see happening in the market. Frogfoot's business model was built on the back of DFA's network until they got to critical mass to be able to start building out their network. So I think a lot of the operators, if we start there, saw that at some stage they're going to start out in areas where there wasn't a big competitive play, but they would get to a meeting point where infrastructure is overlapping. And of course, that's going to ask the question, do you duplicate build? Or do you create partnership synergies to be able to service your customer? And I think that's what it's about. It's about being able to maintain and service the customer wherever they're at. When I'm very much hearing the importance of your company group having these synergies and how the different elements of your business complement each other. And I love how you're now weaving in the importance of your partnership and different competitors complementing each other in this space in order to not necessarily reinvent the wheel, but also, as you rightly say, not duplicate efforts. Because at the end of the day, I understand that you are all about value creation. Talk to you a bit about what value creation means inside CypherWave. That's a very important question. And one of the things that actually leads the decision making inside of our business. And the way we look at it, really, James, is the ability to go back and have multiple conversations with customers and partners, where it benefits their business. So when we look at value creation inside of CypherWave, we look at each of the business units. So from an aggregation perspective, having the ability to go to a smaller ISP and sit down with them and expose what we've done and opening it up to them to have an option to get access to that network. So to be able to do what we did in aggregation network, it requires Firstly, a lot of commitment. You've got to go to providers and make upfront commitment and buy wholesale capacity from them in order to get access onto their networks. And so when we talk to, um, and it's not so much customers, you know, it's partners. So in some instances, you know, we're servicing other ISPs and we're giving them an ability to leverage what we have in aggregation networks, you know, at a wholesale level because their customer 
enjoys buying services and working with them. They have that relationship. And so they realize in order to make sure that they maintain that relationship, they may not want to go and sign a massive wholesale agreement. So we give them that ability to get access to that network at an agreed commercial model that benefits them. And for them, it benefits the customer as well because it's commercially viable. In the instance of that example, James, that's where we believe we're creating value. Because when we sit down with our partner ecosystem and other ISPs, we're all very much aware of what the operating costs are. And so the commercial model is a very quick discussion around it, but it's about where can we help you with our reach so that you can service your customer. Inside of CypherWave, it's slightly different because in that business, we have a B2B approach. We've got some amazing partners in there and organizations that are managed service partners. So they manage customers' land networks and they manage customers' cloud infrastructure. And so their core business is not in the infrastructure layer. So where they come to us is saying, you know, we manage our customers' networks very, very well. Our customers don't want to go and engage and create another vendor inside of their organization to manage. They want us to manage it as a one-stop shop for them. However, we want to partner with the right organization that is tied to our value system. A lot of organizations talk about the ability to be nimble. I don't think it's an issue about buying a service when things are all going well. It's about what happens when it breaks. How quick are you to respond? How accessible are your team? How accessible are your executives? Because we have a customer whose business is burning because the service is not available. And how can you respond or react to that? In that instance, James, we believe that value creation in CypherWave is about the fact that we work very closely with a lot of our partners who have the responsibility of managing our customer services and we understand. So what we do for them is we give them direct access to our most senior teams so that they have that direct line to be able to speak to the technical people. In most instances, they're all very technical as well. So you know, they want to be able to, in an instance where there's a problem, feel that they can pick up the phone to somebody on that side and say, hey, you know, my customer who is a retailer and they sell cars and their telephone system is down. And we understand that that means hundreds of thousands of brands in lost sales. So that's why we give them access. Most organizations would say, no, you have to follow the normal fault logging process. And whilst we have the same, what we do do is offer them additional value to circumvent them having to go through that process in a P1 incident scenario. You know, on the fiber to the home side of things, it's slightly different. You know, value creation there is we unfortunately can't give all 50,000 customers access to our execs. And trust me, we would love to be able to do that, but it's physically impossible. So there what we've done with our team is we've looked at how can we create a better service experience. And there what we decided was it was technology. Technology would be our leader to be able to help us support the scale. So we built a lot of automation in that business from our ordering process to our communication systems and ticketing systems that are all interwoven into a single application. We give our customers the ability to choose what technology is best suited for them to engage with our support team. So you can talk to us via a Home Connect app. 
You can talk to us via WhatsApp. You can give us a call. You can send an email. It's whatever suits you at that point in time. And we bring it together by making sure all of those technologies I've just mentioned actually talk back to a single system that we can actually measure our team's interaction with those 50,000 customers. When these dynamic solutions are definitely what customers are looking for right now, whether it's, as you rightly say, the consumer or the B2C model, the B2B model, either way, there's definitely an opportunity here where you can co-locate, amalgamate the different services you offer, but package it under one brand, which you've done very successfully, and also give the end user peace of mind that they've got that dynamic flexibility and all the different services and solutions that you could perhaps bring to them. But also, you've been able to scale your pricing. Pricing is something that everybody's talking about price. Yeah. Where do you come in in that conversation? I think one of the things that's most important around navigating, around talking about price is having um, access to the lowest input cost. Now, inside of our business, we've made sure in our core offerings that we have as we've made sure that we've invested heavily in it. So on the networks, as I mentioned, you know, we've invested heavily by dealing directly with the network operators um, to be able to get to the best possible input cost on price. From a voice perspective, it's exactly the same. We direct interconnect with all of the telcos and that gives you bargaining power to be able to sit down with the customer and not be afraid to have a price discussion. On the cloud side of things, again, you know, invested heavily on our cloud infrastructure. As you know, we operate a data center. So again, having the ability to work as close to those input costs give you the flexibility to sit down and the confidence to sit down with the customer to be able to have a price discussion. And so that was one of the key things for us in terms of the core dependencies or core offerings that we have. I think beyond the price James, we've always tried to make sure our focus is on value creation. We found a lot of customers post the sale of any service is where the true relationship and friendship is tested as when things don't work. Mm-hmm. And for that, we require a number of things. It is the relationship. It's the ability for us and our teams to engage with our customers and our customers to trust that we have their best interest at heart. That yes, whilst we have a number of other customers we have spent the time and effort to understand who they are and what it is that they require from us. So price is important. The way we try and work towards that is upfront, be able to get to a point where we can talk to a customer and make sure that we're at a meeting point where they comfortable. Any of our costing is commercially viable for them. And once we're beyond that hurdle, which happens quite a lot, we then very quickly move to well, this is what our engagement model is like. This is how we're going to support you per post the purchase process. Hmm. And Wayne, I'm going to jump to a bit of an offer that you made the other day, which was to say the solution that people are looking for often requires technology, always requires technology, but often actually requires that human intervention behind the technology. And I love how you've led to this point in the conversation, talking about the company structure, the opportunities in the market, what the consumer's needs are, but really importantly, identifying that the need is often associated with price and risk, whatever that risk might look like. And an offer you've made is to actually invite people 
to come and meet with you. Yeah, you know, Cypherwave is situated at a wonderful office park in Midrand. And it's a wonderful place to go and have a cup of coffee and actually get to know Cypherwave and the team there and be reassured as to what those services might be that are probably going to answer your need and address a problem you have as a listener. So I put it out there. Go and knock on Wayne's door. Yeah, James, I mean, I think we laughed off about it. And the question was, uh, what happens if we have a Black Friday type of scenario with tons of people rolling into the door? And like I said to you, you know, my response is, um, you know, business is about people. We have an amazing bunch of people inside of each of our entities, be it in CypherWave, in Home Connect, in AGN is mostly a core infrastructure team. But of course, our business is about people. I think, you know, being one of the younger operators inside of the industry, we've learned a lot over the last 13 years. And like you said, you know, from our perspective, we're really excited to engage, to have discussions around opportunities and really just to expose what we've done inside of our business. So to echo your sentiments, happy to have a chat and our doors are open. You know, we're a people led business. We're sitting in a post what I call a somewhat semi post COVID environment. We're a lot more relaxed around it, although I did warn you, James, that we have very strict access control protocols, which I'm pretty sure once you're beyond, we'll be able to shake hands and have a coffee, but absolutely welcomed your echoed the sentiments of the invite. Thank you, Wayne. I certainly have had a peek under your hood, and I'm very pleased to understand a lot more about what it means to be an ISP at Tier 1. And I'm very pleased to see how you position yourself within this really interesting industry of telco and the opportunities that it offers, but the solutions are very importantly. So from me, James Rasmus at Tech Central, Wayne Desar, the CEO of CypherWave, thank you very, very much for your time. Thanks for your insights, and we really look forward to that cup of coffee together. Great chatting to you again, James. Take it easy. Thank you, Wayne.